0: Last episode you heard Peter Orner's story, The Last Crib Keeper. We asked Orner, along with other writers, to imagine the Great Lakes decades from now. We sent writers research and paired some of them with scientists. It's all part of our series after water. I'm Shannon Heffernan, one of the reporters and producers working on that series. Orner sat down with me for a conversation about the process of writing his story. Thank you so much for sitting down to talk with us.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure.
0: So when we contacted you about this story and then we asked you to do this, what was the first image that jumped to mind for you? What was the first thing that arrived in your head?
1: You know, I, I because I live in California, I spent a lot of my time thinking about the lake, you know. And so getting a phone call and asking someone, to, asking me to write a story about the lake made, <laughs> it was it was sort of on my mind that, you know, a few moments before the call. You're from Chicago? I'm from Chicago. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I I think about the lake all the time. I miss it. I think people who don't, who, people who are from here who live away, I think often have visions of the lake. I hear this a lot, you know. So, but then I was thinking of something else, and th- that was these cribs out on on Lake Michigan, which I've been obsessed with since I was a kid. Which were are these water cribs that I remember standing on Montrose Beach with my mother and asking what they were. What did she tell you? She said they were magic floating houses. <laughs> so so that's and I've always wanted to, you know, to tell that and I have in other contexts because I I'm sort of obsessed with these, um with those and I, I know a lot of Chicagoans are, right? And people who come here who don't know the city look at them and are fascinated by them. What why is there a building on the water?
0: You said that I am interested in this idea that you have visions of the lake being mm-hmm. out in California. Are you near the ocean? I am, yeah. So you live in California, mm-hmm. you're right by the ocean. What is it about the lakes? Because I often think we here in Chicago have almost like an inferiority complex about the oceans. W- what for you makes you you keep hearkening back to them?
1: It's such a good question. I, it's, for me, the ocean's too much. <laughs> it's too overwhelming. It's, you know, and I, I I I think I stand on the on the beach of Lake Michigan, and I feel I can, you know, yeah, you can you can almost get your brain around it, you know, and to me that that's just home period and so um you know i love the ocean but it isn't it it has a very different feel for me um there's something uh less homey about it
0: you're somebody who from the writing i've read of you doesn't tend to write in the future very much you tend to be rooted more in the present tense or even in the past
1: no i, d- I definitely I, the past is my thing um my characters are uh usually um Remembering actively, I think that's sort of something I'm fascinated with because I feel like that's what I do. I'm constantly living in the present and, and yet remembering all the time at the same time. I think most of us do this, and I, I'm always trying to capture that.
0: So you have your character doing that, remembering yeah. that's familiar for you, but you're writing in a period that's ahead of ahead of you, the writer. Right,
1: a little bit, yeah. yeah. How,
0: how did that feel? What did it feel like to do the writing that way as opposed to? I mean, it sounds like you're used to writing in different periods of time. It's just usually in the past. Yeah. What, 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 was it, did it feel different to write in the future, or is it sort of a similar process?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, I just hadn't thought about it before, but, you know, writing in the future, it, it, people have the same preoccupations they had, you know, when it wasn't the future. So I figure the future is going to be a lot like, like my vision of the past, which is we're going to be uh, – there's going to be a certain yearning for for um, for what's been lost. And, and the, the way that you all frame this – was what happens when the lake is no longer as we know it. That was something unfortunately I could I could start to imagine. And it didn't I didn't I didn't want to go too far in the future because I feel like we're under threat today. So why why cook it up? <laughs> this is a this is a bad situation at this point. So um you know I wanted to go a little bit in the future, a little bit, you know, after ROM, I think was my why I mentioned all those mayors. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that, you know I, I think this is really an, an aside, but I was in North Carolina recently, and I was walking along a very beautiful river, and I and I told a local how beautiful I thought his river was, and he said that river is the deadest river in North Carolina, and you know, and that was really <laughs> striking to me because I didn't know that, and I, I think that that I think that was echoing in my head a little bit when I was working on this too, which is the this idea that you know it's going to look fairly much the same, but but it's value to us, fish-wise, water-wise, beauty-wise. You know, I I worry that the blue will change. You know, I don't know (laughs) why I did, but I did.
0: At the end of the story, when it's clear that the main character and his wife had planned on having a child, but then they don't, did you intend for the audience to make any connection between the water they were drinking and their inability to have a child?
1: (laughs) No, but um, I think it's all of a piece, isn't it? I mean, what you know, what what we what we lose is on. There's a continuum of that, so I, I would say that as he, as an old man, looks out on the on the water and remembers his wife who left him because of this job, essentially, I think it, I think he's making the connection.
0: When you started looking into this and looking at research, was there anything that surprised you? Anything that you didn't knew know that took you aback?
1: In some of the articles that uh, you all sent, they were about you know the sort of the, the day in the life of the crib keeper um, from the seventies and and even eighties, and I was struck by something that was so obvious, but but it was the loneliness that that just I, and that you know that these guys are out there um, fourteen days out of the month, and that it just even though they were so close to the city. They would sit there and look at it, but the loneliness—the way they would talk about it—was really striking. And so, I should have imagined that, but it took it took reading those reports, those articles, to to help me try and imagine what that loneliness would have been like.
0: You have a line in the story um, that um, there was a time when this lake and this city were once and were one, and nothing could divide them—not even a landfill. What are the ways that you, being somebody who grew up here, saw the lake and the city as having this sort of intimate relationship? The ways that you see them talking to one another.
1: Well, I think when when they did fill in parts of the lake for Lakeshore Drive and for other other reasons that the city has, I, I think we we take the lake for granted. We use the lake in ways that that that, that it probably wasn't intended to be used for. Not that I know who put it here. <laughs> Um, and I think that I, those battles o- over the landfill struck me as being consistent with this idea that we just, we all, we, we, in Chicago, we assume that there's one constant, and that is that we're going to have Lake Michigan. You know, I, I always th- often think I'm, when I'm in somewhere else, I'm lost because East is not the lake. And, and East is the lake. That's, that's how I know where I am in the world. And, and I feel like, um, we, we take it for granted, and, and one day, um, horribly, uh, I think it's very, very possible that we're not going to be able to, that it's not going to be here for us anymore.
0: That was Peter Orner. Orner's most recent book, The Last Car Over Sagamore Bridge, was just released in paperback. To hear some of the science behind the stories in Afterwater, visit afterwater.tumblr.com. Afterwater is part of WBEZ's Front and Center Project. Front and Center is funded by the Joyce Foundation, improving the quality of life in the Great Lakes region and across the country.